all of human history fits on the topmost line of atoms of this thin black line. Where were you born? Why were you born? There. Why were you born to those parents? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is in your DNA? What is in the intrinsic you? Uh, in the words of the great Jack Sparrow, <laughs> you can always trust a dishonest man to be dishonest. Welcome to the journey. My name is Neville D'Angelo. My guest is geoscientist and National Geographic young explorer, Andres Russo. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky little problems. We play a few games, too, and attract the remarkable characters of three classic books. Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again. All of which you can get in your favorite format from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. What does geothermal energy acting, and the boy's drawing of a whale on a ranch in Nicaragua have in common. Well, that's what we're about to discover as we travel around the Ring of Fire with Andres Russo, exploring the issues of calling. What is your true calling? Who are you called to be? What are you called to do? How did you find your calling? Let's meet the young man who will be playing our game today, National Geographic Young Explorer and Scientist, my friend, Andres Russo. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. said, I'm, an, I'm a National Geographic Young Explorer, and I'm also working on my PhD in geophysics right. at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas. So my research focuses on geothermal studies, heat mm-hmm. flow, geology, earth studies, mm-hmm. and specifically for my dissertation, I'm looking at heat flow in Peru. Oh, okay. Why would you choose Peru? Well, first off, I am a tri-citizen who right. was born in political exile, Right. and one of those citizenships is from Peru, and I've spent a large time of my life in Peru. My father's Peruvian, have a great deal of family, primarily in in Cusco, Lima, Mm -hmm. and uh, in the north, I've got some family as well. And that, you know, the family connection just draws you to the place, to be honest with you. That's what originally caught my imagination Mm -hmm. as far as going down there. And then I realized that Currently, one of the biggest geologic mysteries mm-hmm. on the face of the Earth is right there in Peru. Right. Everyone's heard of the Ring of Fire, you know, a ring of volcanoes looping around the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. But so few realize that the world's largest volcanic gap, mm-hmm. as in no volcanoes, no active volcanism, mm-hmm. 
is in Peru. Mm -hmm. You've got 1,500 kilometers where there should be active volcanism mm -hmm. because there is active subduction, mm -hmm. but there are none. And mm -hmm. there have not been for roughly somewhere between 1.6 to 2 million years. Really? So it's uh, it's a really fascinating thing, and the way to get to the bottom of that mystery will be through understanding the geothermal characteristics of the country. Now, when 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 do you hope to finish your uh, PhD? Well, God and advisor willing, uh, I will be done exactly a year from now. So hopefully December of 2013. Uh, how does a person become a National Geographic Young Explorer? Well, it's a it's a really great process. I actually first found out about it at SMU. They had some flyers that they were giving a workshop. So every year, um, the National Geographic Society will pick schools and send representatives to go there mm -hmm. to teach mm -hmm. students, both graduate and undergraduate, mm -hmm. how to how to tell the, say their message, if mm -hmm. you will. How to how to not preach. That word keeps coming up. <laughs> preach. You know, like no. How to how to tell their scientific story to mm -hmm. the world in in popular media. Mm -hmm. And they have an application process. You can find it online. Mm -hmm. Just national just Google National Geographic Young Explorers Grants. Mm -hmm. And they are they're grants that are meant to be given to someone under the age of of twenty six, so twenty five and below. Mm -hmm. um, there's other there's other grants for anybody above above uh, so, that. So, so for me I have yeah. <laughs> there there are more grants. There are more. But they've got a really fantastic program that, right. that is a is a great way to get your foot in the door with mm -hmm. this fantastic institution. Mm -hmm. And also great practice on on how to do science mm -hmm. outside of academia. Okay. What drew you on this lovely path to where you are now? Well, as as I mentioned, I am in the sciences. And as you mentioned, I was very much in the arts. Right. I was uh, in acting, both on screen and, and in theaters, right? right. On stage, sorry, mm -hmm. there's the right word. Yeah. And also painting as well. Yeah. Um, to be totally honest with you, mm -hmm. I had forgotten that as a kid... Science is what I originally wanted to do. Huh. I didn't figure that out until preparing for a talk that I, I recently gave in Kansas. Mm -hmm. I was trying, I was looking for things to to get connected with the audience, which mm -hmm. was third through fifth graders, mm -hmm. and I found this old book, mm -hmm. and I had totally forgotten about this. My mom had kept it. You know, mm -hmm. it was a something from when I was in first grade. Mm -hmm. and it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then on the next page in crayon, I had drawn me swimming with whales and <laughs> sharks and things like that. And it said, when I grow up, I want to be a scientist. Uh -huh. And that really opened up a Pandora's box of memories for me. And just, I remembered. You know, it's fun. It's amazing how much you forget. <laughs> uh, and yeah, coming from a 25-year-old. <laughs> Terrible. But, uh, hey. um, but uh, so on that note, you know, as a child, I loved science. Mm -hmm. I preferred watching documentaries on animal documentaries mm -hmm. to to cartoons any day. Mm -hmm. I loved exploring. I loved wandering around. I loved asking questions. The, the All of it. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. But the thing that, that really truncated that... Mm -hmm was math did not come naturally to me. Mm. I am even though I'm getting a PhD in geophysics, mm -hmm. I to the, I mean I still struggle with math and I work very hard at it and I'm I am I feel very capable with it these days, you know, mm -hmm. but especially 
uh, in my younger days, it, it came more difficult. Mm -hmm. So, in this case, we, we live in a society that's very much, oh, you're either a math and sciences guy or you're an English guy, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that that mentality really was detrimental. Mm -hmm. It was toxic, if you will. Mm -hmm. Because even though I loved science, I had the passion for it. You saw the passion mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. Everybody was just so eager to say, no, 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 there's no hope for you in that. Go look for something else. Which, in the long run, turned out great because I found that I got to get in touch with that artistic side of me, with that theatrical part of me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they were holding me back from being me. Mm -hmm. And actually, when I came, at, I, I, I got my undergraduate degree degrees at SMU as well. Mm -hmm. And... When I originally went to SMU, my plan was theater and painting. Let's do it. Okay. So I started off with that. I'm at this point in my life, freshman year of undergraduate, once again. I am the head, full, fully committed into, into acting and doing shows and things like that. Even had an, I was with an, an agency here in town. Right. And um, there came a point where... I don't. One of my cousins calls it the Jesus years when they start <laughs> when they start to click. But it's the idea is that when you start to figure out that you know what there's we're on this earth for a reason. Mm -hmm. You, me, every single person mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. was placed here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And then I started with that in mind mm -hmm. as a backdrop. I started thinking. All right, I feel. I, with acting, and I'm even going to describe all this geometrically, you know, mm -hmm. I felt that I was on a point. All right. It was just a point. Mm -hmm. And it was, I am almost the be-all the be and end-all of creation because I have to get, I have to get in good shape to, to do this properly. I have to take voice lessons. I have to do this. I have to do that, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I ran into the issue that, I mean, you can even call it my personal demons, if you will, mm -hmm. that it was too much me focus. Mm -hmm. If that's the right, proper way right, to say right, it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I said, if I really want to make an impact, the way that I can do it, mm -hmm. other people can do it this way. I'm not saying they can't. Right, right. But for me, for mm -hmm. Andres Russo, that, mm -hmm. is, that was not the way. Right. So I went from that point that was acting mm -hmm. to the next thing, mm -hmm. which I felt moved me from a point to a line, which was political science. Mm -hmm. Because, it, But in, unfortunately, in political science, I ran into the same thing. Mm -hmm. Instead of being with a group of people that was focused on how can I be better and focusing on the individual as the be-all and end-all. Right. It was society today. Mm -hmm. Society today. Once again, society today. Mm -hmm. And it was, well, there's a... How many millions of todays have there been and how many more will there be? Mm -hmm. So once again, that very quickly was... All right, next. <laughs> next. <laughs> and um, I moved into history, which... And I'm... And I enjoyed... I enjoyed all of these tremendously. Wonderful right. people truly enjoyed them mm -hmm. but once again it was it was just one more step on my path mm -hmm. of what i of my mission mm -hmm. so finally history mm -hmm. all of human history all of human history yeah all right humanity mm -hmm. and i thought that was that was great and i was actually on that track i was having a great time um it's funny that one of my favorite classes was uh pre-columbian mm -hmm. studies so mm -hmm. the maya the aztec the inca right. it was right. it was cool um but also in that time, I had to fulfill uh, a general education credit, a perspective. Mm -hmm. And I remember very perfectly sitting with my with the, my advisor, the lady who was helping me out, mm -hmm. 
uh, as far as picking classes, and I saw one that said earthquakes and volcanoes. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I guess in in a movie it would be one of those <laughs> flashbacks to a youth. And actually, some of, most of my early childhood was spent between Nicaragua and Texas. Right. Mm-hmm. And specifically in Nicaragua, my family's from northern Nicaragua um, mm-hmm. in Chinandega mm-hmm. is the name of the town. Mm-hmm. And um, that's... I'm related to pretty much everyone in the entire state. I'm number 12 of 42 first cousins. <laughs> and it's... Uh, we were all grew up in the same neighborhood like brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of my time on a family farm that's on a volcano. Mm-hmm. So earthquakes and volcanoes, just one little thing. Immediately I thought, oh my gosh, all of the time running around on this volcano with my cousins, we've got funeral fields on our farm. Mm-hmm. So grabbing chicken eggs, you know, making your hard-boiled egg right. inside a fumarole or, or playing around with how quickly things can melt or burn or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, that's... It's like a time bomb. It's there. It's waiting for it. So I went into this class very eager to be like, all right, let's see what this is all about. Still not considering geology as a major at all. Mm -hmm. Then I had gotten my book. The professor hadn't shown up. I take my book Mm -hmm. um, and I open it. The first page, just the first page I opened to, you know, just waiting for the professor. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, the very first page I opened to Mm -hmm. was our volcano. Mm-hmm. the Casita Volcano in Chinandega, Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Um, so there it was. And the the reason for it was in 1998, Hurricane Mitch um, filled up a section of the, uh, the volcano's crater and caused a very, very catastrophic mm-hmm. landslide, which killed a number of people. Mm-hmm. But it was there. And I recognized all of the all of the paths. I recognized all of the things in the fumarole fields. Even our farm, our the farmhouse, Mm-hmm. appeared in two of the pictures. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it was an immediate connection and I I mean I I felt like I had been w- awoken from some dream. I was just like, "What? You know, like <laughs> how is it possible that this is there?" Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't enough, then the professor walks in mm-hmm. and he I'm still I'm not really paying attention to what he's saying at this point. I'm just kind of like, "Oh my gosh, freak <laughs> out." Um but then he pulls out pulls down the 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 uh I guess, projector screen, Mm -hmm. and puts up the geologic timeline. Mm -hmm. And he says, and this is the part where I tuned in, Mm -hmm. all of human history Mm -hmm. fits on the topmost line of atoms of this thin black line. Mm -hmm. And it was just a boom. Mm -hmm. That's where I, I was hooked. Because as weird as this is, I felt insignificant, and I loved that feeling. Mm-hmm. Because for me, there is there's, oh, just so much of a world out there, so much of a universe out there. Mm-hmm. And to get caught up with the here and there, little subtleties of humanity sometimes distract, mm-hmm. and for me at least, distracts right. me from a higher calling, a higher mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, curiously, sometimes that mission is very much to humanity, but... Mm-hmm. It's what I needed, and I found the I found geology, and I loved it. And then I quickly found out that wow, for homework these guys have to go camping. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we're back, we're we're gonna find out more about Andres' higher calling. What is your calling? Have you found your calling? 
You might want to check out The Rat and the Alley Cat. It is a digital quick read. The true story of a boy caught in fire and how this led to the discovery of the seven steps of Sven. Yes, exactly how to get from where you are to your highest calling. To be your best at who you're called to be and what you are called to do. Check it out. The Rat and the Alley Cat by Neville D'Angelo. It is a digital quick read, and you want to keep it handy. The Rat and the Alley Cat by Neville D'Angelo. Well, I'm back with Andres, and I'm going to ask Andres to continue telling us about his higher calling. You mentioned that in the previous section. Absolutely. So, geology. At this point, I had found geology. I had found something to make me feel insignificant, and that's before I went on all the camping trips. <laughs> and a whole bunch of camping trip la- trips later, to add ah, the whole, sorry, the whole bunch of camping. Yeah, English is a second language. Learned to speak it at age six. <laughs> he speaks uh, English perfectly. So. Yeah, working on that. Um, but camp. Geology and camping took me all over the place, as far away as Australia, uh, Hawaii, all over South America, Europe. It's been it's been amazing, and the beauty of well, geology being at the end of the day rocks, and rocks being everywhere. <laughs> so, um, but in that calling, you know, there were a lot of sub callings, if you will. You know, for a while I thought, okay, it's to people, okay, it's to energy, okay, it's to this, but I didn't really put it all together until. Actually, it was an. It was. Well, this will have to be another one, but it was an, honestly an. Uh, an Amazonian. Not ceremony, but kind of retreat. Right, right. Yeah. An Amazonian retreat yeah. to just. In silence, in solitude, and staying up all night, mm-hmm. just kind of in meditation. Really, mm-hmm. it was a meditational thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Focusing on on what you were called to be, and it wasn't really a, okay, how do you feel today? How is this? How is that? It's no, dig into who you are. Mm-hmm. Where were you born? Why were you born? There. Why were you born to those parents? Mm-hmm. What is what is in your DNA? What is in the intrinsic you, mm-hmm. if you will? Mm-hmm. And it was looking at that and be, get, being able to delve within myself and see that. All of these, all of these different strings, all of these different submissions, really point to one. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was nature. So, the way I see it, and especially in context of going through history, going through poli sci, even going through acting, mm-hmm. our surrounding, our our environment, nature mm-hmm. in itself, even on a global scale, mm-hmm. has such profound impacts on our daily lives mm-hmm. in many ways that we don't even realize yet. Mm-hmm. Anything from the food that we eat, the water we drink, the air that we breathe, thats those are all health issues. Mm-hmm. The, not only health issues, but well, food. Mm-hmm. Can't get better than that. Mm-hmm. Energy. Where we get our energy from is... We get it from nature. Be it, be it from the sun, mm-hmm. from fossil fuels, from geothermal, from wind, mm-hmm. from water. Mm-hmm. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. And, well... This is where the the poli-sci and historian side of me is about to come out, but mm-hmm. it, 
there's been a lot of research into most of human conflicts come from a battle for resources. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in light of that, mm -hmm. you can. I mean, you. There's plenty of examples we can pull up from both modern and <laughs> and recent case studies. But now, do you, do you think that that we are, as you mentioned, a lot of our conflicts is a battle of resources. Is it because there's a shortage of resources that we battle over them? Is it because um, there's a perceived shortage of resources we battle over them? Or is it a selfishness, selfishness, I can't say that <laughs> word, a selfishness that causes us to battle? I want the resources so you don't have. Will you have any opinion on, on, on any of that? I've got my opinion. Well, I mean, it's, my, I think, first off, one by one, as far as, in my travels, mm -hmm. and that's it, you know, you mentioned that, and in all humility, I say I have traveled a lot. Right. I personally do not think humans are inherently selfish. Okay. I don't. Mm -hmm. I have one story, the first story comes up, I was in one of the poorest places in Nicaragua, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there was a, an old woman, she was probably in her 60s, she had her little lunch, mm -hmm. and she was walking the town, which for her was a six-hour walk. Mm -hmm. um, we were headed that way... And we offered, we were, my, me and my friends were back of a pickup truck, and we said, hey, where are you going? Come on, we'll give you a ride. And she had her little lunchbox mm -hmm. that was her food for the day, and then she had to walk back early the next day. Mm -hmm. And in spite of that, she refused to go without giving us her food. Mm -hmm. She wanted to give us her food to thank us so much. There you go, there you go, there you go. I had to slip in money secretly, like anti reverse pickpocketing, if you will. <laughs> I had to sneak in money so that she would have something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have similar stories in China, right. in Europe, right. in the United States. I don't think people are selfish at their core. I, I don't see it. I think we all have a right to live. I think that, you know, if you need to get food, if you need to get something just to, mm -hmm. to hold you over, mm -hmm. I don't know if... The need for sur I think a lot of times the need for survival can be confused with selfishness, mm. and mm. I mean even that's a huge philosophical right, thing right. to get into. But so what causes the conflict? What why why do you think there's this conflict? I I wish I knew, and if I knew, I would probably I don't know be rich and famous somewhere. Well, <laughs> but, I'll, I'll, but, I'll pressure you till you but, become rich and famous. Exactly. <laughs> but just the fact that we are seven billion people and mm. and growing. Mm. And we do live in a fi on a finite world with mm. finite resources, mm. and just knowing that we we use our resources in a lot of them at least in a very inefficient way. Mm. Well, I think that's a that's a, a big part of it. No. So that perception of oh my gosh things are running out, right. and the actual fact that in certain areas things are running out. I mean, I was I've been living in northern Peru for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And in, in a little town called Mancora, mm -hmm. so close to Talada, Piura, mm -hmm. that area. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw a documentary just a, that came out from this, this group that was that's calling for protection of Peru's oceans. Mm -hmm. uh, as a, Due to the Humboldt Current and Peru's blessed location, right. they, according to this documentary, which is called Madre Mar, uh, Mother Ocean, you can, it's 10 minutes, it's really great, mm -hmm. Apparently, Peru has, if I remember correctly, 0.1, either 0.1 or 0.01% of all of the world's oceans, but produce 10% of the world's seafood. Oh. So we have, and you can see the, 
the trawlers, you can see massive factory ships if you're down there. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, we are we are really overfishing. Mm-hmm. And actually, I read a similar study from Australia mm-hmm. that this issue of overfishing, because fish are a limited resource. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are they could be very easily sustainably harvested, but they are a limited resource in the wild. And actually, this Australian report I read was even linking sharks that are normally pelagic, that normally like mm-hmm. to be out out in the ocean, mm-hmm. coming in closer to shore looking for food because it's just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Seven billion people, There's a that's a lot of mouths to feed. And right. without calling anyone selfish for mm-hmm. wanting to live, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, we I think that we've got a, a, a whole heap of issues that we need to, to mm-hmm. sort out. Right. And I want to be a part of that. How are you plan to be a part of the solution? Well, here, the first thing is geothermal energy. Mm-hmm. When I was looking at different energy sources, even within geology, geothermal really stood out. Mm-hmm. Actually, the International Business Times, I remember reading an article that called it the sleeping giant of renewable energy resources because mm-hmm. it was, it is long-term, sustainable, and baseload. Baseload is the, is a, will eventually become a buzzword because mm-hmm. the finance community hasn't realized it yet, but mm-hmm. baseload energy is, a power plant that's producing constantly, mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Intermittent power sources are when the wind blows, when right. the sun shines. Right. So right. just right. as a clarifier. Right. I haven't heard the term base load before in terms of energy, but uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting. But keep going. Yeah, so I, I have a question that I'd like to ask you later about this. Absolutely. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, what's, in- what's the most intriguing thing about mm-hmm. geothermal for me, and this might be why... Um, well, Google recently, last year actually, gave us a, a grant at the SMU Geothermal Lab mm-hmm. to to do the geothermal map of the United States to mm-hmm. really highlight where there's areas of, of potential. Mm-hmm. So oil and gas, mm-hmm. they use geologists, they use geophysicists, geochemists, all that. Mm-hmm. They drill, they look to produce some sort of fluid from the sum- subsurface. Mm-hmm. But it's hydrocarbons. Mm -hmm. Geothermal does the same thing, but with water. So it's not too much of a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I was with a meeting last week with a whole bunch of people here in the Dallas area, top geologists from a really prominent company here in the in the Fort Worth basin, the Barnett Shale. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was I was telling them half jokingly, you know, all you got to do is just look for water, hot water. Mm -hmm. And they were all blown away. They were basically because it's so easy to find is what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And if you know where to look, right? So that's one one place where geothermal becomes very attractive. Mm-hmm. Right now, this is part of that balance of power that we were talking about. That struggle for resources, mm-hmm. even on an economic level, companies. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what I'm seeing in energy markets is a lot of focus on comp- on new startups that that do some sort of new technology and a lot of of pinning oil and gas companies as the evil bad guys. Are they the evil bad guys? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so and I honestly right. why because I've worked with a lot of them that that a lot and a lot of people there mm-hmm. that have really great hopes for what can be accomplished. Mm-hmm. And I feel that society and especially the government they sh- they really should be doing this more than anyone is my feeling, but that's another topic. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no, you can be free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we should harness this ability mm-hmm. 
oil and gas companies have this amazing ability to find, to produce resources from the subsurface. Mm -hmm. I am of the opinion that oil and gas companies could totally dominate the geothermal, the geothermal world. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, actually, this what was once a theory is, is coming true, mm -hmm. um, or a hypothesis anyway. It's coming true. So uh, Chevron is the world's largest producer of geothermal energy. Mm -hmm. And actually this past year at, at a, ge a large geothermal conference, they announced that they're going to be getting back into the United States geothermal plays. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting. There's a, it, it just works hand in hand with oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And if we want to find a bridge, a permanent bridge, because it's not just going to be there and go away, oh. but a way to get from a hydrocarbon-based economy to a renewable energy future, mm -hmm. I really think geothermal is is our best shot. I really do. And I, even though people, a lot of people say, well, it's too expensive, it's too difficult, but then I'll remind them, you know, recently they just drilled one of the deepest offshore wells mm -hmm. in some of the deepest water out there. I don't remember, I wish I remembered the exact figures, but it's, it is ridiculous mm -hmm. how how extreme the environment was mm -hmm. and they were able to produce oil and gas mm -hmm. that why because that's a over a hundred years of investment in the in the oil and gas sector mm -hmm. that's a lot of hard work that's a lot of money mm -hmm. i mean it it goes back to even though we are this insignificant little dot mm -hmm. of humanity in the greater scheme of things we're able to accomplish some pretty amazing things mm -hmm. and going going back to it it's reaching these things that we thought were unattainable. Mm -hmm. We can do it. We just have to harness our passion, harness our, our human energy, mm -hmm. and focus on it. Mm -hmm. We can get there. I agree with you. We'll have to have a conversation on energy. As far as you know, oil and gas companies not being the bad guy, and I just want to preface this with, I am very aware of the negative things that have gone on in the Gulf. I was actually just down there looking at some of the impacts Right. two weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, but also in the Amazon and across the world. I'm very aware of that. I want to be sure to let that out there. Right. However, there's a twist to it. Right. As I mentioned at the beginning of the program, I love animals, and whales actually have been some of my favorite animals since I was a kid. Right. Um, you know, I've I've been involved with, just in the same way that I've been involved with oil and gas companies, I've been involved with environmentalist movements, mm -hmm. and I once actually gave a, a talk at at a Greenpeace event, mm -hmm. and it was trying to to get people to look at working together rather than antagonizing each other. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I said, I got flack for it, but you know, it's it's true. Mm -hmm. Oil and gas companies mm -hmm. have saved more whales than any environmentalist movement will ever do. Well, that surprises me that you say that too. But go ahead. Go ahead. Why? Because they put whale oil companies out of business. That's what they did. If you want to quote the Dalai Lama, learn the rules so you can know how to break them properly. Even though it wasn't meant to be an environmentalist movement, it was. Mm. Going from whale oil to fossil fuels, particularly saved the sperm whale, blue whale, a whole bunch of these, these whale species that we were decimating. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I am, I am grateful to oil and gas for that. I'm ready to, to move on. I want to see, I want to see a change. Right. I want to be a part of the change and I'm, Every day working to see it, right. but we we can't we can't go around antagonizing people. Right, right. That's my right. point of view. I I totally agree with you. 
Well, uh, there is Andres, uh, ladies and gentlemen. As I mentioned to you, he will be with us again and again, I trust. I hope I don't drive him off. Uh, no, don't worry about that one. <laughs> well, it's game time, and we will begin our new season with the game you know, our SBL game. It is called What the Sage Said. The Sage said this. Everyone living long enough will slip and fall into a deep hole. Then look up for help. Three hands will appear. The hand of a hustler. The hand of a riddler. And the hand of a clown. Choose wisely or you will be buried there. Andres, what will you do? Yikes. Which hand to choose? Hmm. <laughs> Definitely not the Riddler. Okay. I think you're playing the role of the Riddler. Now, so. <laughs> no, I don't know that I'm playing the role of the Riddler. Before anything, I'd like to state, probably when I'm at that point in my life, I'll, if I was in the mood to stay in the hole, the last thing that I'd want to, assuming I was in the mood to stay in the hole, that is, <laughs> the last person that I'd reach out to would be the, the first one I'd be the, would be the clown, okay. just so the last thing I could see before my imminent death would be something funny, and I could go down <laughs> laughing. Okay. That would be the first one. Assuming I wanted to get out of the hole, right. once again, forget the Riddler, mm-hmm. I'd say the Hustler, because oh. uh, in the words of the great Jack Sparrow... <laughs> You can always trust the dishonest man to be dishonest. <laughs> and he'd probably pull me out looking for cash, and in that process, I'd try to escape as quickly as my advanced-in-year self could do, <laughs> if not the clown, because I I did a workshop once with a, with a clown mm-hmm. teacher, mm-hmm. and the entire purpose of being a clown is no matter what you do, you're always... Have a single to have a single-minded focus. Ah. So if that clown was reaching out a hand to me mm-hmm. to help, I'll know that all of that clown, assuming it's a properly trained clown's focus, would be to pull me out of the hole. And yet you would choose the hustler. It depends on it depends <laughs> on whether or not I want to get out of the hole. And would you want to get out of the hole? If I'm advanced enough in years and happy with my life, huh. I don't know. But even in the in the way that you... Oh, I like that. Well, a life well lived is a beautiful thing, and there's a time for all of us to go, I think. And um, I don't know. That's a different point of view. However, as you're, play- as you're clearly playing the Riddler here... <laughs> I'm not um, playing the Riddler. <laughs> That's, uh, let the, okay. I'll let you let me play the Riddler. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. As you're clearly playing the Riddler here, I'd... Uh, I'd say that when, if I'm ever in that time in life, but also, I guess the way that I interpreted it, you could either be a life or death. You said you slip, right. you slip and fall. It could right. be a slip into a depression, right. or a physical slip into a deep hole. Mm-hmm. So if I'm slipping in a depression, once again, I'd probably choose a clown. Mm-hmm. So 
I'd I'd have to go for the clown. Oh, so you changed from the hustler to the clown. Well, no, I was between <laughs> options. I was never changing. I was vocally brainstorming. You vocally brainstorming. You're cheating. Oh, that's that's not cheating. I go for the clown. Okay, you're going for the clown. All right. Thanks so much. Once again, thank you. It's thank been you. a pleasure thank having you. or being here. Thank you. Our standing question today is this. What is your calling? See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>